Today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 12. We're going to read just one verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to read it in the ESV. And uh, in many ways, uh, today's message is just piggybacking and continuing off of last week's message because we did Romans chapter 12, verse 1 last week. Uh, but in many ways, we'll be taking uh, the message, uh, we'll be going in a new direction. Uh, but again, it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, please join us for the reading of God's word today. And I'll, I'll be reading that for us and hope you can follow along. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, today's uh, message is continuing our sermon series, Practical Discipleship. We're trying to find practical ways of following God. And as we're kind of winding down this sermon series, um, I want us to talk about uh, some of the big concepts in terms of discipleship. And uh, it probably doesn't get much bigger than trying to figure out how do we know and do the will of God, right? Like that, that should be pretty high on the priority list. Uh, for a disciple of Jesus Christ, wouldn't you say? Right? It's something we pray all the time in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I feel like this is a prayer that uh, many disciples of Jesus Christ pray. Right? We pray that uh, God's kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? And so we want God's will to come. Is it just going to come without us? Or do we have a part to play in this? I think for many of us, we want to discern and we want to know the will of God. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later about what is the will of God. But I want to ask perhaps a slightly different question. Not just what is the will of God, but how can you actually do it? And um, maybe there's an implicit question uh, when we think about the will of God is that maybe for a lot of us, we're not actually able to do it. Um, Maybe for some of us, we don't really think about it, uh, but when it comes down to it, a lot of us are not doing the will of God. Um, so what do we mean by that? Again, we're going to start getting into the category of what is the will of God, but let's talk about the good that God desires in this world. Right? When you think about some of the commands of Scripture, let me, let me give you an example. This is an easy example, one I use a lot when we talk about the will of God. Uh, loving your enemies or forgiving people who hurt you, right? So forgiveness is something that's very big, <laughs> right, for Jesus. And I think, I think it's safe to say uh, that aligns with God's will, right? God's will is for you to forgive people who hurt you, right, and to be able to love your enemies. And so um, this is not something that comes naturally for us. Um, if you've ever had an enemy or if you've ever had someone who hurt you, it's very difficult to do. You don't feel like doing it, right? And so, you know, everything in, in your being and your emotions and your thoughts are like, no, this person doesn't deserve it. Why should I forgive this person? This person, they're not forgiving me, right? Well, why don't they make a change first, right? We have all these, all these reasons that we come up with for why we shouldn't forgive someone. But at the end of the day, for many of us, it's very, very difficult to do. Let me give you another example. 
This comes straight from scripture, and it actually has the phrase, the will of God, right? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God, right? You want to know what the will of God is? Well, I mean, there's more to it, perhaps, but this is part of it, isn't it? Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, let's just take this moment in time. Something that I like to call Corona time. (laughs) Right? Are you able to give thanks in all circumstances? Are you able to give thanks in Corona time? (laughs) <laughs> you know, maybe there's some of the circumstances you're like, you know, I kind of like having more time to myself. You know, it gives me time to think or, you know, it gives me time to, um, you know, catch up on sleep or to, you know, pick up a hobby or whatever. Maybe there's some things you're thankful of, but there's other parts of these circumstances that probably many of us, if you're like me, you're not too thankful for, right? You're not so thankful for the un- economy tanking. You're not so thankful for um, the downsizing of companies. Not so thankful for having your plans in your summer vacation wiped out, right? For many of us, we are not able to always do this. We're not always able to rejoice. The, The pray without ceasing. How many of you have trouble just praying at all? Finding time to pray, having time to spend with God. I know it's one of the things we talk about a lot. And we're like, yeah, that's good. We should do that. We should pray more, if not without ceasing, right? But for many of us, maybe we don't think we're unable to do it, but we don't do it. And so to me, I think of it as one and the same. You may think you don't want to do it, but you're not wanting to do it it, it, it sort of suggests you are not able to do it. Why can't we do the will of God? That's the question that I want to answer for you today, because I think it's a very important question. If you can answer that question, then I think we can get closer to the solution. And if we get closer to the solution, then I think we get one step closer to actually doing the will of God. And that's what we should be doing as disciples of Jesus, right? And so, um, you know, uh, for many of us, uh, it, it's a tough time. And do you ever feel like uh, every day is the same? <laughs> you know, that's Corona time. <laughs> it's a frustrating time. Uh, but I think this is a great time for us to try to figure out how do we fix this situation? Um, how do we learn to become more attuned and more aligned to the will of God. And so Romans 12, 2 will give us a, a, a great hint for how we do that. So let's take a look at this, um, this passage. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Uh, and the Greek word here is ion. It, it, it's where we get our word eon. And so it actually doesn't say this world. It says this age. Do not be conformed into this age. That's the, the literal Greek. And we usually interpret that as saying, well, you know, if you talk about the times that we are in, the atmosphere we're in, it's really the world, right? But it, properly, it means this age, this time, this season that we are in. 
that we are being conformed, right? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? And so it's telling us how we can discern the will of God. Now, I want to point out that the Greek word for discern is actually the word prove, This may sound kind of weird, and I think it's why a lot of the translators don't use the word prove. I I think in in the NIV it says approve, right, which is probably closer to the literal Greek. Um, But what does it mean by prove the will of God, right? Discerning is, is, I think, definitely along the same lines, but I think it's a little bit stronger to say the word prove, right? There's, there's There's a clue here. Right. Uh, so I, I want to um, take a little bit further when we talk about the way uh, the will of God is described. It's good and acceptable and perfect. Can't really argue with that. Right. But there's a word there that probably is a little bit strange if you take two seconds to think about it. And the word is acceptable. In the Greek, it's actually pleasing. Again, in the NIV, they do say good, pleasing, and perfect. Um, but when you think about it, who is it supposed to be acceptable to? Now, if you think about it, uh, probably for most of us, our instinct is to say, what is acceptable to God? But what it's describing is the will of God. The will of God is good. The will of God is acceptable. And the will of God is perfect. Right? So it doesn't really make sense to say the will of God is acceptable to God. Well, of course it is, right? It's the will of God, right? Is the will of God pleasing to God? Well, yeah, in a way. But also, brothers and sisters, I want to argue that I think the will of God is supposed to be pleasing to us. And when it talks about the idea that we need to prove the will of God, that we may be able to have the will of God, that it is good and pleasing and perfect, we need proof in a way. What do I mean by that? Well, brothers and sisters, I think for many of us, we don't really believe the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect. On the surface, it's very easy, and, and, and kind of the, the Christian-y thing to say is, of course we think the will of God is, is perfect. Of course we, 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 we like it. But then the question is, then why aren't we doing it, right? If it's so good and it's so pleasing, right? And so, you know, this takes us, uh, we, we got to be a little bit honest here. But maybe when you just take it down to its root level, that when you think about the idea of actually praying or actually forgiving your enemies, things like that, these sorts of things, it's you may think that it's either not good or it's not pleasing or it's not perfect. So, you know, let's take the, the, the forgiving your enemies. You know, maybe for some of us, we're like, well, actually, some enemies shouldn't be forgiven. Right? You shouldn't love your enemies because, well, number one, it's not fair. Right? So, so what are you saying? When you say it's not fair, you're saying it's not good. Right? This isn't how it should work in a perfect world. I shouldn't have to forgive my enemy because they hurt me. This is not just. 
right? And so there's a part of us that doesn't really believe always that the will of God is good. And then the other part of it is even if you think it's good, it's not very pleasing to you, right? In other words, it doesn't feel good. It's not what you gravitate towards. You're not like, like, mm, let's forgive our enemies today, right? You know, a lot of those things, they don't feel good, and therefore they are not pleasing to you, right? And so I just want to point out that there is something within us that needs to know that the will of God is truly good. That it is truly something that, that would be pleasing to your soul. It is something that is absolutely perfect. But there is something, there is something that is fighting that. I want to show you, the your will and God's will are often at odds, right? And, and, and this is where I want us to understand what the will of God is, right? And, and scripture is not very mysterious about this. They give us a lot of... Uh, clues, and, and even more than clues, they just tell us what the will of God is. But for a lot of us, we, we don't want to hear that. Um, I, I'll get into more detail about what I mean by this, but uh, let's do a little bit of a refresher, something we talked about before. We actually preached a whole sermon series on, on the big picture, on the big story. And so this comes from Ephesians chapter 1, 9 through 10. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will. You want to know what his will is? Well, it's going to tell us right here, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is the plan of God. This is the will of God to unite all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This is the will of God, right? To unite all of humanity, to unite the entire world and universe under Christ, in Christ, to make it all one. We live in a world where we are very separate. Why is it the will of God for us to forgive? Because when you're, you're not forgiving, when you're hating, when, when you're uh, fighting, you're separate, right? It, it just makes sense, right? And so coming together in love means that we are united, communion right? You become one. When you think that you're better than someone else, you ain't one, right? Uh, but when you realize that all of us are sinners, right, and we're only redeemed by God's grace, we have a chance of becoming one, right? And so the will of God is for us to become one, right? This is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what you're praying for when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Another thing that we're going to see in the will of God uh, is the will of God is not always comfortable. Um, it says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is from 1 Peter chapter 4. And, and this idea that you suffering and God's will, those two things can can coexist, right? And for many of us, this is the problem. When you say, God, what is your will? And, and without really um, asking for the ability to accept that will. Because for many of us, we make a very bad assumption. We think we will know God's will when we hear it. So uh, let me ask you a question. When, when you ask for God's will, right, how do you know it's God's will? Right? Have you ever been praying and you're like, God, what is your will? What is your will? Maybe you're praying for a job or, you know, what decision should I make? 
right? Have you ever, like, like a thought popped in your head? And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a job that makes more money and the thought pops in your head. You know, don't take that job. And you're like, God, is that really you? No, that's not God. How do you know? How do you know it's not God? I know it's very easy to say, but Pastor Steve, how do you know that it's not God, right? Or, you know, that the other voice is God, right? It's so confusing. It's so difficult. But the, the point is that I think a lot of us, we assume, when I hear the will of God, I'm going to know it. How are you going to know? Right? What if God tells you to do something that you don't want to hear? And many times, the things you don't want to hear are going to be the things that are not comfortable, the things that do not make you feel good, right? And so I think sometimes we have this idea that I'm going to know the will of God because I'm going to feel good about it. Ooh, First Peter, it, it, it flies in the face of that. It tells us that maybe the will of God at times might lead you into suffering. It's not going to feel good. So if you're automatically disqualifying the will of God because it doesn't feel good, because it's not what you want to hear, brothers and sisters, I have some bad news for you, right? That's not a good gauge, right? Your will and what you want and what you desire often, well, sometimes will conflict with the will of God. They may not always be the same thing, right? And and so it it goes even further here, 1 Peter 3.17, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So here we get another principle of God's will. God's will isn't just about making you uncomfortable for the sake of discomfort, but it is for good, right? It's trying to lead you into something good. And that good oftentimes will be independent of what you want. And so there's going to be a clash, brothers and sisters, between the will of our minds, the will of what we want, and the will of God. So what do we want? What is the will of our minds? right? Today's message is called the renewal of the mind. And that the the key is going to be how do you renew that mind? But brothers and sisters, in many ways, the mind is the problem, right? Our minds have a default mode. It has a way of thinking and being that we slip into automatically. And, And this is often the problem. For many of us, we are not really choosing our will. We slip into certain things. (laughs) This may not make a lot of sense, but have you ever found yourself um, going back to the whole Corona time thing? And, you know, uh, that picture from before is from Groundhog Day. Um, And Groundhog Day is uh, one of my favorite movies. It's a movie about uh, a guy who relives the exact same day over and over. And so every morning at 6 o'clock, he hears the same song, uh, and he hears the, the, the radio DJ say the same thing. Um, every day, the, the, the shower is cold, and it's the exact same weather. He runs into the same people. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like every day is kind of Groundhog's Day? But not only just in terms of circumstances, and, and maybe for some of us, I, I was talking to some folks about like how, how often it's easy to just forget what day it is. It's like, is it Thursday? Oh, it's Tuesday, <laughs> right? How many people have had that happen, right? And, and this is, it's very conducive to just falling into patterns, 
right? Do not conform. In the NIV, it says, to the pattern of this world, to the pattern of this age, to the pattern of this season, right? That's what conformity is. You are slipping into something that is a form, right? And so uh, for many of us, you know, the things you do, it's just like a pattern, right? And maybe for some of us, it's very frustrating. Do you ever find that you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? You have the same responses to things, and maybe even there's some things that you actually don't want to do, but you keep doing it. Why do I keep feeling this way? Why do I keep doing this same bad habit? Um, I just want to confess for you, just to make this a little more real. And I, I, I have to admit, brothers and sisters, when I was thinking about this example, I was like, I don't want to share this because it's embarrassing. But for me, one of the, the responses I have a lot is my response to anger or frustration at myself. And when I get really angry, it makes me want to hit something. And sometimes I'll do that. I'll like punch something or, you know, slam my keyboard, you know. Um, sometimes I'll hit myself in the head when I get really upset. And it's an automatic response. And when I do it, I'm always like, why did you do that? It doesn't feel good. I mean, in the moment, I want to do it, and that's why I do it, right? But a lot of times, it's just, man, it just feels like Groundhog Day. I just keep having the same response to things. What is the, the response that you have? What is the way that you feel like you just keep doing the same thing over and over again? I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's procrastination. You, you ever just find yourself, you just keep procrastinating just over and over and over again? You're like, why can't I overcome this? Why do I keep putting off things that I should be doing and just leaving it to the last second? Right? There, there are so many things like this. You know, maybe it's your avoidance of difficult situations. You know, maybe there's someone you need to confront about something, but you're like, nah, I don't want to do that right now. And so you just keep avoiding it. And every time it comes up, it's just, nah, I don't want to do that right now. Nah, I don't want to do that right now. Nah, I don't want to do that right now. Nah, I don't want to do that right now. Nah. It's like Groundhog's Day, right? We become predictable. We get stuck in a loop. It's like a system. Right? I remember watching this movie, and to me, I was like, man, this is just, this is just too much. It was, or, or sorry, it was a TV show about like how basically, uh, it, it was like science fiction type stuff, but they were trying to, uh, recreate a person by like using like all that they knew about this person, and, and, and they put like all of this into like a robot that looked like that, right? And basically, what they were saying is that human beings were like, Machines. We're, we're like computer programs. We're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's predictable. We have predictable responses, right? If someone insults you, right, your response is going to be very predictable. Have you ever had someone where you're, you know what they're going to say, right? Their response is so predictable. You're like, I knew you were going to say that, right? And, and like, no one likes that. No one likes to think that you're predictable, right? But maybe people have done that to you and you're, you're like, oh, well, Number one, you don't know me, right? You think you know me. I'm not that predictable, but maybe we are. Maybe we have predictable responses. We get stuck in these loops. And, and in this, this uh, TV show where they, they were trying to program a person, this, this machine, to replicate what the person would normally do, and the person was like, no, no, I'm me. 
I'm me. And, and they, they went on this whole long speech. And then the person who programmed them handed them a piece of paper. And when they looked at the pa- piece of paper, it said, no, no, I'm me. No, no. And, and basically, they had predicted exactly what they were going to say. And I was like, whoa, is that the way we are? Are we that predictable? Do we get stuck in this way of being? And so, brothers and sisters, why, why do we do the things we do? Now, I'm going to kind of, I just want to confess, this is going to be a little oversimplified. We are way more complex than this. But just for the purposes of this message, just because I can't discuss everything that goes into the mind, uh, we're going to simplify a little bit. But one of the ways you can think about your mind is your mind has a default mode. Right? And the default mode is about conserving energy. It's about um, uh, doing things without having to think. Right? If you had to think about every single thing that you did, I mean, you would just be exhausted. If you had to exert your will for every single thing, right? it's just impossible. You know, breathe in, breathe out, blink, right? heart beats, take one step here. Right, like there's so many things your mind just does automatically, and for some of us, when we're in this time, this Corona time, uh, and and just for a lot of us, we just slip into patterns. Why do you do what you do? It wasn't because you necessarily wanted to or you chose that. You just did it because it's the automatic pattern that you've been following, right? And what pattern is that going to be? What are gonna What's going to dictate that pattern? Your, your mind, the default mode will prioritize comfort, safety, pleasure, and familiarity, right? And so there's going to be a lot of stuff that it's only going to be at that level. Now, the will of God is different. The will of God is about what is good apart from your personal thoughts and feelings. We are trying to become one with God. We are trying to become love, right? We are trying to become like Jesus, And a lot of those things will not fit with our priorities for comfort. A lot of those things will not fit familiarity, right? You might have to do some new and different and uncomfortable things. A lot of those things will not fit with what feels good in the moment, right? And so if you are operating at that level, that default mode, right, that you're going to have to get past it in order to get to the will of God. Right? So let's just use the example again of forgiving somebody, right? That if you let the default mode of your mind, if you let that take over, you will never forgive somebody. Never. Ever. Unless somehow it becomes convenient enough, right? Where you're prioritizing your comfort, your safety, your pleasure, your familiarity, right? But in many cases, this is why we have so much war, (laughs) right? This is why we have so much hatred. Because it doesn't fit the default mode. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good, right? It's why a lot of us, we don't pray. We don't read the Bible. Because those things, for some of us, are not what we're used to doing, right? Sometimes those things make us uncomfortable. Maybe I, I don't like reading. You know, it's not my preference. And what I'm used to doing is playing lots of video games. What I'm used to doing is being on YouTube for a couple hours a day, right? And so my default mode, right, the pattern that I am used to, that'll just kick in, right? 
And it'll be the easiest thing for you to do. The easiest thing for you to do is what you've already been doing. It's a pattern, right? And so if you want to break that, there's going to have to be something that happens, right? You have to be willing to get uncomfortable, first and foremost, but you have to realize what you're up against. So one of the problems that we have here is that um, we have, uh, I think, an improper way of understanding our, our, our selves, the parts of us. And one of the ways that the West has tried to uh, categorize us is that we think about mind, right? Rationality, your thoughts, and we think about hearts, emotions, and feelings, right? And for many of us, brothers and sisters, I- I'll be honest, the reason why you don't do something is because you don't feel like doing it, right? And for many of us, we think that your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions are two completely separate things. The biblical model is actually different. The biblical model is that your mind is different than your heart, but your heart is not primarily where your feelings are coming from. Your mind is where your will comes from. Mind and spirit, in the biblical view, are synonymous. Okay? So the, the, the biblical worldview is that mind um, is responsible for your thoughts and your feelings. There, there's another part of it, but it gets a little more complex. Um, a lot of the strong feelings, the, the anger and the, like, like a lot of these like uncontrollable feelings, um, the biblical worldview is actually it comes from your liver. When it talks about, um, you know, uh, search my inner parts, sometimes it, it just says in, in uh, scripture, it says liver. But that makes no sense to us, so they just say inner parts, right? Sometimes they actually translate liver as heart because that's what we've come to think of as your, you know, where our feelings and emotions and our strong emotions come from. But in, in the biblical worldview, uh, thoughts and feelings are, are first and foremost originating from your mind, right? And so why is this important and why is this different? than uh, the way that we normally think about things. Because what we think is that I can be completely rational about stuff, um, but I just have to deal with these pesky emotions, and and I can kind of compartmentalize, right? Usually what's actually happening is that whenever you have a thought, emotions automatically, almost instantaneously follow that, right? This is the problem why you can't control your emotions, Right? And so if, if you think that the mind, your, your brain and your heart are these two separate entities and one controls your thoughts and one controls your emotions, there's this, this, this mistaken way of thinking that I can just be completely rational about my problems and I can think my way through any situation. But what we find is that that's not actually true because your thoughts are generating your emotions. Really easy example. What if you thought that you were stupid and you were ugly and you were a failure? Can you be rational about that? Can you separate that from your emotions? If you really thought that, I'm really stupid, I'm really ugly, and I'm a failure. Even saying it, brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, some emotions start coming up. This is just the way it works. If you really feel that, has something ever happened to you? And the thoughts and emotions happen so quickly, you can't parse them apart, right? Someone calls you a name, and then immediately thoughts come up and emotions come with them. You can't separate the two. 
It doesn't work that way, right? And so um, there's this whole realm of uh, therapy. They call it cognitive behavioral therapy. And the idea was that if you can catch your thoughts, if you can correct your thoughts, then it will change your emotions and how you feel, and then you can change your behavior, right? And so... It's not cognitive feeling behavior therapy. It's just cognitive behavior therapy because the assumption is your emotions come from your thoughts, right? They're one and the same, right? And, and so, brothers and sisters, wh- why is this important or why is this different? Because if the biblical worldview is true, then the idea that the heart uh, being the seat of your will, where you make your decisions, then those things will be in conflict. And you see that all the time, right? Paul talks about that. He's like, what I, I know is good, right? What I want to do, I don't do, right? But what, what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. That's the conflict between your mind and your heart. What you know is good, what you know you should be doing, that's coming from the heart, at least in the biblical worldview, right? And so the idea is that that those moments when, when you're like, you know, I really should do this, there's a part of your will, your spirit, that wants to lead you there. But your inability to do it is coming from your mind. And so this is, is the, the conflict here, Right? And so how do you actually, how are you actually able then to do good things? How are you actually able to change your behavior to make different kinds of choices? You have to renew your mind. That's what the scripture says. Um, I had some other stuff about uh, the, the will of God, but uh, just for the sake of time, and uh, we'll, we'll skip that for now. Um, but let's... Go back to what it says here uh, in Romans chapter... Well, I want to read to you 1 and 2 together so you can see it in its totality. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So this is my... I'm just taking the Greek, and I, I tweak some of the words here. Um, but this idea of presenting your bodies... The whole of who you are. Last week we talked a lot about the physical body, but it's also talking about all that you are. All your parts, including your mind, is supposed to be sacrificed. It's a living sacrifice. You're giving it to God. It does not belong to you. Your will, your mind, what you do with it, it's not supposed to belong to you anymore. But the problem is, is that we have runaway minds. They think what they want to think. They feel what they want to feel. And we're not able always to control that. Right? And so then it says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I, I want to point out in the NIV, which is one of the best known versions of this, um, it's slightly different. I, I want to see if you can catch it here. Uh, th- this is, you know, someone made this cute little graphic based on the first part of Romans 12 too. Do you guys see the difference? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do you guys see what it is? James, Jason, Connie, can you catch the difference in the NIV and the, the ESV? I'll go back one second. So here, here it is again. Uh, do not be conformed to this age, right? Or do not con- be conformed to this world. And then it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, of course, pattern is different. But even if you took that out, there's another change. Did you catch it? It's subtle. 
But what it says is, uh, uh, what it actually says is do not be conformed, right? Is there a difference? Do not conform versus do not be conformed. When you go back to this graphic, right, it's almost like this person is like, you know, the rest of you all are suckers, right? You're, you're all like carbon cutouts of each other. But I am going to choose differently. I am not going to conform. And I am going to bow down to the cross. And I am going to be transformed, right? And, and so the difference is, brothers and sisters, is that do not conform is very active, Right? It's assuming that you have the ability to not conform. Right? We like that. That's very American. Right? I'm a nonconformist. The rest of you all are swimming in this direction, but I'm not going to conform. It's not what it says. It's not an active voice. It is passive. Do not be conformed. And, and, and if, if you want proof of this, in the Greek, um, by the way, it says do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world in the NIV, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And, and if you look at it in the Greek, the two uh, verb forms are exactly the same, right? So the, the NIV obviously couldn't say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but transform yourself, right? Because that wouldn't be right. It says, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You're not transforming yourself. We're not that good, right? But also, brothers and sisters, we are not good. We are not strong. Our will is not strong enough to not conform. You're just going to do it. You're going to be conformed to the way that you normally do things, right? And and, and I know that in in this uh, uh, passage, the way we normally hear it and the way that it's it's translated. It, it, it makes it sound like it's this battle against the culture, right? Like, like we're all these kind of conformity robots and everyone's dressing the same and doing the same thing and all the cool kids do it. And there's a very, uh, like kind of heroic strain of saying, I'm not going to conform. But brothers and sisters, I, I think what it's saying is that you don't really have a choice. You're going to conform. You're going to naturally be a certain way unless something changes. And that thing is going to be outside of yourself. What is it going to be? Do not be conformed, but be transformed. By what? You cannot directly transform yourself. That's the work of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to renew our minds. That's what it's saying, right? Do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, by actually living this out, you may prove to yourself that the will of God is good and well-pleasing and perfect. That you may know that in your bones because for many of us, we're not convinced and I know we're not convinced because we're not actually doing it. We don't actually believe at least not on a cellular level, with all that we are, that actually doing the will of God is better than not. Some of the things that we think of is doing the will of God, we're like, yeah, I'll get around to it eventually, right? 
I mean, if the will of God was the best thing for you, if actually, you know, praying without ceasing and forgiving your enemies and being thankful and actually exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, if this was the best possible life and we believe that fully, brothers and sisters, I think we would be pursuing it more. But we're not convinced. And for many of us, we just slip into the patterns, the automatic way of doing things. And we're just stuck. We're like a computer program that is going to do the same predictable thing unless you can hack the system, right? That's how you beat this. And, and, and how do you hack the system? Stop letting your mind lead you. You have to renew your mind, right? And so, brothers and sisters, uh, the idea of renewing means that you need a new way of thinking, a new way of being, a new way of feeling. And for many of us, brothers and sisters, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) We've made a bad assumption. We assume that our thoughts are good thoughts, And so we assume that we'll know the will of God when it comes along because I can think properly about things. But what if your mind itself was the problem? What if the way that your mind operated was the problem? And there's a part of you that knows that's true. It's your heart, right? There's a part of you that, you know, for many of us who have been touched by the good news of Jesus Christ, We know there's a different way to live. We know that our minds and our emotions and our feelings are not always leading us down the path of of holiness. They are not really leading us to the will of God. It just leads us to comfort, right? It leads us to pleasure. It leads us to certain patterns that just keep kicking in over and over, and those things don't necessarily lead to righteousness, right? And so, brothers and sisters, we need a new kind of mind. We need to have a new way of being. Some of the things I'm going to just talk about very quickly are things I've talked about before. And so the point of this message was not to tell you exactly what to do, because in many ways you already know. But I'm trying to tell you why. I'm trying to tell you why this is so important. So some of the stuff that I'm going to put on this next slide are things we've already talked about a million times. But I hope when I talk about it now, you'll understand a little bit more why it's so important and what's at stake. So uh, these are things that I've been trying to practice in my own life and things that that, um, I've suggested before. But try to think about this in terms of the goal is to renew your mind. So one of the things you can do is to find a dedicated uh, and regular time to pray. And I think that prayer's most important function is about interrupting your normal train of thoughts, right? My mind is not your mind, God. My thoughts are not your thoughts, God. You're trying to interrupt that time. You're setting that time apart for God to enter into the picture. God, tell me your will. God, give me your thoughts, right? And so to me, prayer uh, can be, I mean, it's a lot of things, right? But prayer, when it's only done only in your mind, it's just a train of thought. You're only telling God what you're already thinking. Then it doesn't have the effect of interrupting. 
right? So, for example, many of us, we will pray for what we want, for what the mind wants. God, make me rich. (laughs) God, make me comfortable, right? God, keep me safe, right? And then you're only praying in your mind. You're not praying for the will of God. That's why the Lord's Prayer says, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Not mine, right? That, that part of the prayer has to be my kingdom go. My will not be done, right? You got to interrupt it. And so you got to find the time to interrupt your train, normal train of thoughts, to rest in the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit renew your mind, right? So sometimes when you're sitting still and you're in the presence of God, what this is about is not trying to think your way out of the problem, right? It's not trying to figure out what the problem is. It's just surrendering your mind. Now, by the way, you can't stop thinking your thoughts. Just, just let your thoughts go. This isn't about erasing the mind. The mind is a tool, right? The mind is a great tool. You're supposed to use your mind. God gave you your mind. Your mind is just a very bad God. It's a very bad master. It shouldn't be leading, right? You ever get in a place where you're like, I just can't stop thinking about this thing, right? That, brothers and sisters, is an indication you need to pray. You need to interrupt that. You need to lay that down before God, right? Just for those that time, just, you know, your mind is going to do what it does. But in the presence of God, you surrender it. You surrender it. Don't fight it. Give it up. It's different, right? That's what contemplative prayer is. That's what it's all about. It is about giving your mind to God so that you can receive the mind of Christ. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. There's no dictation in this. There's no thinking involved, really, other than, God, I'm just here with you. I've preached many, many sermons on that, so I won't get into all the mechanics. But if you want to know, let me know. And I will, you know, give you some tips on how to do some contemplative prayer. Memorizing, uh, meditating on scripture with analysis or critique. Don't let your mind take charge of the biblical narrative, right? Have you found, and we've talked about this before, how there's certain parts of scripture that we just kind of skip over or we just don't like. We just kind of keep it out. That's your mind, That's your mind leading. That's your mind saying, "Mm -mm, this doesn't fit our pattern. This doesn't fit our narrative. This isn't what I want, right? And so our mind sometimes will fight it, try to justify it, try to make it fit the narrative. Brothers and sisters, don't even play that game. When you read scripture, just read it. Meditate on it. Just read it over and over and over. Just try to memorize it so that God's thoughts can be your thoughts, right? Um, Don't let your mind uh, be the God of that time. Don't let your mind be the one who dictates what scripture gets to me. Um, sometimes listening to praise music can be good. Some of those other ones may be a little more difficult for where you are in your spiritual life. But I want to encourage you, if you listen to praise music, just read the words. Um, read it and don't overly think about it. The problem with sometimes listening to praise music is we've gotten really good at tuning out uh, what we listen to and your mind will just start to wander. Right? So if you want to do it, uh, in a, in a contemplative way, uh, read the words while you're, you're listening to the praise song. And if that is, if you need another step to focus even more, write it down. In your journal, just write down the praise words. 
right, as you are listening to them. It's a good meditative practice, right? You, you, can, you can do this on a walk, right? I, I talk a lot about looking at nature while you're listening to praise music. Or like maybe if, if you have uh, the Bible uh, in audio form and you can just listen to the words of God without analysis, without critique, just look at God's beautiful creation and just let those words start to just seep in without your mind doing the filtering, without your mind doing the critiquing, right? So, brothers and sisters, there's lots of different ways we can do this. But the goal is to let God renew your mind. Let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to transform you so that you can actually know and do the will of God. Praise team, can you come up? For some of us, um, maybe we're just tired because the way our minds work, the way the patterns that we've developed work is we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and it just kind of happens, right? And before you know it, you're sitting here on Sunday morning and you're like, why am I so tired? Why am I so worn out? And, and one of the, the beautiful things about contemplative practices is that in many ways it's about resting in God. You don't have to do all the thinking. You don't have to figure out all the problems of the world. You can just take a moment to rest and let God be God. You, you can just let your mind chill out for a little bit. Just, just let it quiet down. One of the things I've noticed, and, and I say this in no way bragging, because for you know, 38, 39 years of my life, I would just react to my emotions. When I felt like punching something, I'd punch it. <laughs> or at least the fear of what my wife would say might keep me from doing it. But if she wasn't around, something's getting punched. Right? It's just, I, I'm going to yell. I'm going to do something. And what I've found, even in these days, I mean, because it's frustrating, brothers and sisters, right? This age, this time, this season can be really frustrating. I've literally found myself in times where I get frustrated and my immediate response is I go like this. I lift up my fist. I'm getting ready to punch something. I'm being serious. I've done this. But then somehow, I'm able to stop. I'm able to let go brothers and sisters, I really think it's because of all those prayerful interruptions. Of all those times that I've sat in the presence of God and for that 20 minutes I've laid down my mind before God. Not my will but yours be done. Not my thinking. I just want to let that down. I just want to let it go. I just want to put it down for a moment and I would just rest in the presence of God. It doesn't feel like anything is happening. I'm telling you, those automatic reactions aren't so automatic anymore. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'd like to pray for you. Why don't we just pray right now? And let's begin this prayer just with a moment 
where we can just be still. Many times, and and we don't have the luxury of doing this today, we can be still for a moment, but after about a minute, maybe just depending on how chaotic your mind has been, how how, how much it's just been bouncing around, (laughs) it could be like 20 seconds, 15 seconds, your mind will just start getting agitated. Hey, let's do something. Let's think something. And the thoughts will just automatically come. That's okay. When they come, if they come, just give them the God. Just let them come. But maybe just for you, you can just say, Jesus. And you can just remember, I just want to be able to rest in the presence of God. I want to have the mind of Christ. You don't need to say all that. Just know that. That's what you're here for. You're not always going to be able to control your thoughts. That's kind of what the whole message was about. You can't control it. So instead, lay it down. Renew your mind in the presence of God. Oh, precious God, we confess so many times, Lord, our minds just kind of do their own thing um, apart from your will. We become so used to that, we don't even question that sometimes. But Lord, maybe for some of us, we're getting kind of sick of it. (laughs) That's not the kind of life I want to live. I want to be able to do your will, God. I want to see the fruit of the Spirit born out in my life. I want to see it flow from my life. I want to be more loving and patient and kind and gentle and righteous and self-controlled. Oh God, may you renew our minds as we find time to let you in. God, we thank you that you want to transform us, that you want to make us like you. Thank you for the hope that we have. For anyone who's hearing this message and is thinking, yeah, that's nice for Pastor Steve, but I can't do it. Help them to know the hope we have in the Holy Spirit. All things are possible. All things are possible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.